I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that you'll listen to or like street interviews or whatever, where the person behind the camera, you you know that they just like want to get their voice in there as much as possible. And it's like, yo, let them talk. It's about them. It's not about you. Yo, this is Nicholas Heller, AKA New York Nico, the unofficial talent scout of New York City. You know, the through line through all my work is like character. I love one of a kind people. And I love telling their stories. You know, you have interesting people everywhere. I think New York, you have the most interesting people. New York, Nico in the house. We invited Nico and chopped it up over Norseman from SMP Lunch, formerly Eisenberg's, an iconic NYC eatery that serves one of my favorite pastrami on rye sandwiches. On this episode, Nico shares his experience of going to film school. Kids who ask me what I think about them going to college, I always say, no, nah, just go to YouTube University. It's community-driven projects during the pandemic. We're all going to be at home for the foreseeable future. So I had the idea to do this Best New York Accent Contest. Shout out to my guy, New York Nico, you know what I'm saying, for coming up with this. And how he plans to navigate the ever-changing media landscape. How much longer do you think those commercial budgets will go up and up? When are they going to start coming That's down? That's a great down? question. Aight, let's peep the details. Where does this rank in your pastrami, New York City pastrami? Mm. I've definitely had pastrami from here more so than I've had it from mm. cats. Because I used to um, work in this area. Mm. This is on Fifth Ave, like on 21st Street, mm-hmm. I think. Complex used to have their office on 23rd Street. Double XL used to have their office on 25th Street. So it was, you know, it was like a common lunch spot. I like uh, S&P because they do thick cut meat. Mm-hmm. I don't like the thin cut. Where are they exactly located? You know? Right next it's to Flatiron. Flatiron. Yeah, right, oh, right next to the building. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's where Eisenberg's used to be. Okay. Yeah. They just took over that space. I think it's the same menu too. Mm-hmm. Have you have you been to uh, Langer's in LA? This is kind of like that one. Like a little Russian-y. I've heard about it. Yeah. How long were you in LA? Six months. Does it? Mm-hmm. And was that when you were doing the Dubs video and all that? I thought you guys yeah. shot that out here. No, we shot in LA. Right out of college? Mm-hmm. Right out of school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my favorite videos at the time. Which one? Because you did Hugh House. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ten rounds. Ten rounds? Yeah. yeah. You didn't have like an agent or anything, right? You just went out. Just went out, wanted to be a music video director. What was your first music video that you got? So, the first music video that I did was for this artist, C. Ray's Walls. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. from the Bronx. Yep, he was a, in my in my mind, he was like this big time celebrity because he was a Wu-Tang affiliate. He was on like one of those like Wu-Tang affiliate albums. And, uh, I was going to school in Boston at Emerson right. College. Did you ever go to shows in the Middle East? Of course. Word. The venue of the Middle East. Yeah, not yeah, the, yeah. Not the, <laughs> no, not the actual region. Yeah, yeah, So I went to Emerson as a film student. And um, I didn't really, like, get along with the film kids there. So I wasn't doing any, like, extracurricular stuff. Um, so I was just, like, kind of wasting my time at Emerson, just being an idiot. And then um, my junior year, the DSLR camera came out, the 7D. And I got my hands on one 
And I just started like making little short films on my own. Like I didn't have the help of any other film students because I didn't have any friends that were in the film program. So knowing that like my productions weren't going to be great looking or like super skilled technically, I was like, how can I work that into the aesthetic of my films? So it would be from the perspective of a cameraman or like the perspective of a security camera or something like that. And I started making these little shorts and, you know, they were all like pretty bugged out, like super weird. And I started like getting a little attention from, you know, the kids at Emerson College. It was also around the time that Vimeo came out. So like there was a community there. Started making these shorts, would release one like a week. And then... You know, I was like, how can I get more people like outside of Emerson to watch these films? And I was like, well, maybe I could turn this into a music video so I could, you know, piggyback off the success of an artist. And, you know, because this was the time when like this was the blog era. Um, so I figured that if I did it for, you know, a fairly notable artist, it could get on these blogs and get attention that way. Um, and, you know, Boston, where I was living at the time was a destination for underground rap artists. And I had heard that C-Ray's Walls was gonna be in town. So I had a friend of mine who was connected with him reach out to see if he would let me do a music video for him. And I thought that it was like a shot in the dark, that there was no chance that this guy, who in my eyes was like on the same level as like, you know, RZA, any of the Wu-Tang members, that he would allow this like 19 year old white kid to do a music video right, for right, him because right. this was also during the time that like all music rap videos were like shot in front of a brick wall performance video you know in front of a bodega whatever and i wanted to like do these like kind of bugged out ideas um so i pitched him this idea and he was down he let me do it and the idea you kind of you kind of have to watch it but it's a single take video of like a bunch of lumberjacks running down um a train track and they like one by one, they get shot in the head. And at the end, C-Ray's walls falls to the ground and the camera pans to reveal that, <laughs> to reveal that they're like three um, dudes in giant animal costumes, like a bear, a beaver, and a moose with guns and like pickaxes. Damn, so it was like bugged and, and out. And then they, then they shoot him in the head and he dies. <laughs> and that's the end of the video. And like the music is just playing over that. Right. Um, again, I would suggest that you watch it. It's, it's online. It's called uh, Destroy by C-Ray's Walls. Mm. But that was my first video and it went crazy. Like people loved it because it was very left field right. and, you know, unusual. Um, so then I just started getting hit up by rappers to do their video and mm. you know make it as bugged out as the c-ray's walls joint yeah so the next one i did was for this uh dude uh fresh daily he was a part of like homeboy sandman oh yeah yeah um, yeah i remember fresh daily yeah, he, yeah. i love fresh daily he's the yeah. man. um but he let me do a video for him where he's going to meet his biological grandparents for the first time and he ends up meeting my grandparents <laughs> and it's just them spending the day together. And then at the end, he finds out that he knocked on the wrong door. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was like my actual grandparents. Yeah. And it was actually like two years before they passed. So it like it was very meaningful. Wow. Um, so I did that. And like that went over really well. 
And then I did another video for Homeboy Sandman, who I was obsessed with at the time. So this was like, this meant a lot to me. In the video, there's a, a man baby being born in reverse. I remember this video. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was for the essence. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I just like had all these like bugged out ideas and blogs were loving them. Right. So I just kept it coming and that kind of like what started What were some of the career. blogs that were showing you a lot of love? Two, Two dope, dope boys, boys not, not right, right. okay on player, <laughs> on Smash. On Smash didn't show me that much love, to oh, be yeah. honest. Pigeons, Pigeons and Planes. Yeah. Do you remember Kevin, no Kevin Nottingham? Yeah. yeah Kevin Nottingham. Uh, so this is probably like 2009, 2010? This was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing, man. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. And then so with that confidence, you decided to see like, yo, I could, can I do this full time? Then you moved to L.A.? So I was doing it all throughout college. Um, I was killing it. Like I wasn't making any money, yeah, but sure. you know, I was getting exposure. And That's then- um, you started as a sophomore too. You yeah, were early in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I graduated, I moved back to New York. I was living in Brooklyn. But then like, you know, making, I, I felt like I like exhausted all of my resources in New York. Like I shot every corner I could shoot at. Like, and you probably pulled a lot of favors. I'm yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? The, the way I'm going to make it is like the next Hype Williams is if I move to Los Angeles. You wanted to be the next Hype and not the next uh, Spike Spike, Jones. no, I was the Hype. I wanted to be the next Hype. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved to Los Angeles. Didn't really have a plan. Didn't have a driver's license. Had to share oh, share yeah, a room yeah, with yeah. someone on Craigslist, and um, so you just went out. I just no went plans. out, no plan, just... and it was miserable. Like I, I failed my driving test three times. <laughs> I had to share a room. Um, How was you booking getting anywhere. around? Bike, yeah. bike. Was I was the best Uber. shape of my life. It was before Word. Uber. Yeah. What, what well, part of the? Uh, what part? I was of in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. So. Wasn't booking any work, and the work that I was booking was just like not creative at all, you know. Um, just like on set jobs type shit. Pretty much, like I did a PA job for a Kendrick Lamar and Miguel video where I worked for twenty two hours straight for one hundred and sixty five dollars. Um, very, you know, early beginnings <laughs> type shit. Kendrick, actually not Kendrick. I was the one handing Miguel water. <laughs> I was Miguel's water boy. Um, but anyway, yeah, so did the LA thing, just like wasn't booking any work. Um, actually, all the work that I was booking was back in New York, so I would come back to New York. I actually did a video that I that I was very proud of in that time in New York with with Deep Pride. You remember oh, Deep Pride? Oh, yeah. Toronto, He's yeah. now Russell. Russell, yeah. yeah. Love Deep Pride, love Russell. But yeah, so after at the end of six months, I was just like, I can't do LA anymore. It's like not for me at all. I had so much like, anxiety and depression. So moved back to New York and was back living with my parents. I grew up in Union Square. Was living with them and, you know, was like, I can't, I can't do music videos anymore. But I didn't know what else I could do. Cause I've tried working, you know, I tried being a waiter in, in college. I tried, you know, I worked at a movie rental store in high school. But uh yeah, so I was like, what am I gonna do? And I was hanging out in Union Square Park and um, contemplating, you know, my next move. And I see this New York city street character who I'd seen like all throughout high school. Um, he was a six foot seven white dude with dreadlocks who carried around a 10 pound sign that said the six foot seven Jew will freestyle rap for you. I remember this dude. Yeah. Yes. So I was generally pretty like shy up until that point. Like I never really went up to people on the street, but I used this 
low point in my life, turning point, I guess, as an opportunity to just like break out of my comfort zone and go and talk to him. And to my surprise, he was like very res responsive. And we ended up walking around the city together, having a great conversation. And by the end of it, I was like, yo, I've never made a documentary before, but I would love to make one on you. And he said, yes. So yeah, so we, we ended up making this documentary. And by the end of it, I was like, I could make, I could turn this into a series where I just like profile New York City characters. So the next one I did was on this amazing dude named Sean who would dress up as Spider-Man and give people free rickshaw rides around the city. But he was also like an acrobat. So he could like, you know, jump off cars and, you know, it was, it was incredible. It was like, and he, he stopped doing it like a decade ago and it was like a one of a kind, you know, New York activity that you could only do if you like ran into him couldn't schedule it. Um, so I did him, you know, Larry the Birdman of Washington Square, Wendell the Homeless Fashion Designer of Union Square, Curtis Sliwa, Matthew Silver. You know, I fell in love with it. And it, it gave me like this newfound appreciation for New York because, you know, as when you're born and raised here, you get jaded a little bit. Right. And you don't really realize how amazing it is until you live somewhere else. And that's exactly what happened to me. Like being in LA and experiencing a bunch, bunch of cities like on my way to LA, cause I drove out there. It really wow. just made me realize how special New York was. And yeah, so I did like 16 of these little short documentaries. And, and while you were doing it, you were just like, it wasn't, you weren't like making money. You were no, just no. doing it out of passion. No. Doing it out of passion. You know, it was on YouTube, but it wasn't really getting a lot of eyeballs right. which i was discouraged about because in my head i'm like this is sick like more people need to see this wow. so i was thinking like what can i do to get more eyeballs and this was around the time that instagram when they first introduced video or they first introduced 60 second video so it was around like 2013 so it was like igtv era no it was before that okay this was like 2013 okay but um i was like well maybe if i just like shoot interesting people on my phone and have them like, you know, be reoccurring segments on my Instagram, it'll be more consumable than, you know, having people watch five, six minute videos on YouTube. Mm. Um, so that's what I did from that. It kind of just like the Instagram just became like, you know, my lens on New York as a, you know, a born and raised New Yorker living around Union Square. So this is 2013. This was 2013. So yeah. you started Instagram under the New York Nico moniker since 2013? I changed it to New York Nico in 2013, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was originally Ricky Shabazz, which is the name I went by right. when I did music videos. Right. And how and, big was it, just for comparison? Like today you have I mean, almost was, one and a half million. Yeah, right? it was yeah. nothing. It was, I mean, when, when I started, you know, the series that I did was called Know Your City, N-O right. Your City. Um, when I started doing that, I think I had like 5,000 followers and then it just like, sort of like gradually grew a little and a little bit by a little bit. And then, you know, I had some like viral moments, like, you know, when the fidget spinner came out, mm. I, I, I had a video where I gave it to my friend, Matthew Silver, who's an iconic performance artist. And, you know, he, he did, he did something with it and that like got millions and millions of views and got a lot of followers from that. And then, you know, little things here and there. So it started gradually growing, but yeah, eventually I started like getting, you know, like branded content deals from that. So like, I think the first one I got was probably in like 2014, 2015 with um, TED Talks. They had like a branded content thing with Lipton Tea and they hired me to go to uh, Turkey to film a bunch of like Turkish tea farmers for Lipton. 
and create like a two minute video. So that was like the first, I guess the first like branded content thing I did with them. And it wasn't attached to my Instagram at all. It was purely, you know, hired as a director to do this. Um, and this is still like big production. You're going out there with camera. You, yeah, but it was just me. Yeah. It was just me and a cinematographer okay. and we cool. did everything. Okay. So I wasn't big production, you know. Versus Versus today, cell phone. phone. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, that got me some more jobs like that. And then, you know, I started getting some commercial work and I formed a, a, my own production company, which is very small Heller films. You know, I would run like $50,000 commercial productions through it and steadily started growing that. Meanwhile, my Instagram's growing and... How were you sourcing all of these deals, right? If you get, Do you have any insights to someone that might not have the connections or doesn't even know how to start? It was a lot of like hustling and like just trying to find the right people who could either hook me up or like someone who could hook me up with someone who could hook me up. Uh, so you were reaching out? Was I was, a lot yeah, of a lot of reach out, yeah. yeah. Um, if I think about it, I you know, I know who can connect me with the right person. For the turkey thing, for example, that was like a friend who I went to school with who worked for TED Talks and she saw my Know Your City work and she was like, hey, would you be down to do this? So that, I mean, in that situation, someone reached out to me, which was cool. Um, but, you know, for like, some of the more early commercial work that I did, um, I had a friend who worked at an agency called Collins and I hit him up and I was like, yo, like, I would love to, you know, do some commercial work for you. I can probably do it for, for cheap. Let me know if you ever have anything. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of how that worked. All that shit just happened because Mm -hmm. that's just who you were from the jump. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You wanted to do things your way. Yeah. That's exactly and, right. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even with the New York Nico page, like nobody told you that, yo, Instagram and social media and this creator economy is gonna be a big thing. So you gotta lean into it. Right. I was like, nah, like, no, it's it's interesting. It makes perfect sense. And I, I guess I didn't even really make that connection, but I have like agents, I have managers, I have you know, but like when I'm out just like shooting stuff, I really like to do it on my own. Yeah. I have a team for specific projects, but I don't have anyone on payroll. You know, I don't have a full-time producer, assistant, whatever. Just cause like, I don't, I don't like the idea of having to deal with that. Like, I feel like that just complicates things. Mm-hmm. Um, for specific projects, like, you know, I just finished a book and I had a team for that. You know, I had an amazing producer, I had an amazing photographer, writer, um, and we would like go around the city together. But that's just for like one project, you know, and then I also have like an agent and I have a commercial production company and, you know, for every commercial, I have a team for that. But um, yeah, just for like day to day New York Nico stuff, it's it's just me. A commercial company, do they source deals or they're the ones that produce the stuff that that comes to you? So I'm signed to Missing Pieces, which is a really great commercial production company. Okay, Uh, I signed them like two and a half years ago. And I'll either bring them jobs. Most of the time they'll bring me jobs and then they just like offer up, you know, all the support there. So I don't, you know, I don't have to have like an in-house team to produce anything. They, they have that. Are you talking about production resources? Typically? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Cool. At what point did you get a manager and, a, and an agent? So I don't have a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a couple of agents from uh, UTA. Um, 
for digital, I have a book agent, I have, you know, a, a production agent. Um, and that was, I guess, like two years ago. Okay. Um, but they're, they, I guess, essentially act like my, my managers. You know, if I ever have managerial needs, they'll just handle it. In what ways do they help you the most? If I ever get like a job opportunity, I'll bring it to them immediately because I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. That's their job. They do a great, great job at it. I just want to focus on like the creative. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to handle it all myself, and I like it. It's you know, it's fun, but I feel like it really takes away from being able to focus entirely on the creative aspect. I feel you on that. You don't want to be redlining contracts, right? Oh hell no. When you have a creative brief that you also have to provide, right? Your your business used to be to provide production services mm -hmm. and to create for others. Mm -hmm. When did it become your full time job to start creating for yourself? Um, I think it's still it's it's really hard to say yeah. because because you're still providing I, services. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, is there a split? Do you strategically say like, hey, one for you, one for me? N no, I mean, I just you know I. Get whatever work I can, you know, whatever I can get that I that I want to do, and I, it's gotten to the point now where like I can say no to a lot of stuff, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now I'm kind of in the like I want to keep doing like directing commercials and and stuff like that, you know, because yeah. I I really enjoy that. How much of your time is spent making content for New York Negro page specifically, and how much of it is? See, I, I don't even. I don't set goals. I don't even really pay attention because it's always just been fun for me. Like I don't need to like, you know, do a video every day or however many a week. It's just if I get to it, I get to it. If I don't, I don't. Um, depends on how busy I am with other stuff. But it's just it's it's fun for me. Like it, I like doing it. It's not a chore. So. Right. It's and, not like you I have feel a like, content schedule. Right. Like, yo, every Sunday I need to have Nico's no, dump. No, no. And I don't, you know, like I. I have a Sunday dump that I try to do every Sunday, but if I don't, it's not a big deal. No one really cares. Yeah, you're not like, I got to get to Washington Square Park yeah. by 10 a.m. No, every no. day Wrong. to make sure I catch everything. Do, do you have any help with the New York Nico page? No. You're so on top of it, whether it's like the marathon or in the park where they're you know, really, How do you know all the temples? That's a great question because I, I kind of wish I had someone who could like – go out and figure out, you know, what events are happening when, because that is, it is tricky to, you know, to remember when, when things are going to take place and also when new things are happening. Cause there's a lot of things where like, I'll be sitting on my couch and be like, Oh shit, like this is happening right now. Yeah. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. Like I wish I had someone who would go out and like do research for me and come back like and be like, yo, you gotta, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But like, I don't even know who I would hire for that. Even someone to handle your schedule. I'm blown away by the fact that it's all organic and you yeah. just go by feel. Like I'm for blown sure. away. That That's a testament to how much you really are. I've always been city. like very responsible and, and I have OCD, like diagnosed OCD. Definitely. I feel like everybody has a little bit of OCD, but like since I was 12 years old, that's like when it started and maybe that's another story, but I had like very bad OCD that was like, um, you know, doing um, like routines, you know, otherwise I would die, like not stepping on cracks, washing hands, stuff like that. And then that developed more into um, psychological like routines and, you know, having thoughts ruminate and stuff. So it's a gift and a curse because if I didn't have it, then I wouldn't be so like hands on and I guess responsible. Um, 
but yeah, it really helps with scheduling. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's, it sounds like a mega superpower. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, but no, it, it would be, you know, I, I, it would be great to have someone who'd be like, hey, remember, like next next month, you, you, you put this in your calendar. You got the, you know, the polar plunge, which is a terrible example because yeah. that's always January 1st. But for the most part, like I, I'll, I'll remember like, oh, the Puerto Rican Day Parade was around this time last year. Why don't you check online to see when that's happening? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the blessing of the animals was around this time last year, you know, make sure to, that's so crazy uh, that it, it, it happens that quickly though. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. Like in the moment, like, so how do you plan travel then? Cause I, I just saw that you got back from Japan, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's something that I just have to do way in advance and that's like a family trip. Okay. Naomi's parents are from there. So, you know, she goes out like once or twice a year and I try to go with her when I can. And I've also noticed that you love New York that you don't want to leave New York. Yeah, I don't, but I also like like what I said about LA, like if you're ever feeling tired of New York or wherever you are, I always recommend like going somewhere for a little bit because when you come back, if you really love the place, then you have like that love is restored. New York is always going to be my home and like where I produce my best stuff, but it's a big world out there. I think, you know, the through line through all my work is like character. Like I'm very character driven. I love people. I love one of a kind people and I love telling their stories. And, you know, you have interesting people everywhere. I think New York, you have the most interesting people, but, you know, you have a different type of people elsewhere, you know? So like uh, in August, I think it was, I went to the uh, the Twins convention in Twinsburg, Ohio. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, and that was something that, like, you know, I've wanted to do since I saw about it on Instagram, like, mm -hmm. last year. Um, and I had an amazing time and met a lot of, like, fascinating people. And is that something that you plan to do more? <clears throat> I'd like to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also, like, whenever I leave New York, it's like I feel like I'm missing out on something here. So it's yeah, that's one thing I have I, to pick and choose, like, when I do it. <laughs> I recall the you summer is me, very difficult. I recall you telling me this, that, <laughs> yo, you, you get anxiety leaving I do, New York. I just do. Like, it's really hard taking, like, tropical vacations because, like, I'm on the beach, you know, just, like, thinking, oh, man, I wonder what so-and-so is doing, like, at the shop. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I've, I've been getting better, like the older I get. Yeah. How much of your audience is outside of New York? My percentage in New York is, uh, 18%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot of followers, but I feel like a lot of the people who follow me might just be following me from like one reel that went viral. And maybe that was like a guy dressed as a Christmas tree smoking weed. Okay. Like, so maybe that was the first thing that they saw. It's like a very, you know, candid only in New York okay. piece of content. So maybe from that, without knowing anything else about me, they think that I'm like, you know, a, a page that just posts like funny, weird New York stuff. Like maybe I'm even like an aggregator of content, whatever. So, you know, they might send me a video of like a homeless person passed out on the street. It doesn't happen as much anymore, but back in the day, I used to get a lot of that and it would really piss me off yeah. because... I'd like to think that my content just shows people in like a, a positive light. Like totally. I don't, I don't post anyone who I, who I don't, you know, appreciate, I guess. Yeah. That, that's why I wanted to jump in and say, I, when I look at your stuff, it's way more than just spectacle. Like there's two things that I really love about what you do. Number one, you highlight a, a whole spectrum of yeah. folks from 
the Christmas tree, no. person dressed up in the Christmas tree, to Henry. Right. Right? And and you literally changed his life, yeah. right? In terms of like helping him to sustain and, and keep his business open. So I think to be categorized as either an aggregator or someone that's only looking for spectacle is not right. Right. The other thing too, again, like Henry or or anyone that we see, you're always going back. Yeah. And this is something that we try to be very conscious of, mm-hmm. right? It's it's very you know, especially when people might mistake us for an aggregator mm-hmm. or a list or something yeah. like this. It's like, no, nah, man, we're, we're a, a cheap part, eats page. Yeah, or yeah. a cheap eats page. We're a part of this community. Yeah. We're going back. We right. check in. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, that's the sure. other thing. How how much of that is, like, conscious for you? I mean, it's just, like, what I, I, want, I want to be doing it. I'm not doing it because I should be doing it. Like, I genuinely love these people. You also only see so much on Instagram. Like, I'm hanging out with a lot of these people outside of instagram like yeah yeah henry jamal like big mike from astor place john from cozy Superburger. like i'm always in these places green lady i just had like an hour-long conversation with her on the phone yesterday you know so it's not like it's just for content purposes how did the pandemic change things for you yeah i mean you know when the pandemic first started I was at home with COVID. You know, I was scared because I thought I was going to die because, like, no one knew what it was. And Holy shit. Yeah, it was scary. Um, but I was also, like, freaking out because I was like, what am I going to do for my Instagram? Like, I can't go outside. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I came up with the idea to do, like, a at-home talent show. So mm. where people would send me videos of, like, them doing some kind of whatever their talent was. So a few people submitted. I did like a little contest, you know, got like someone to donate a prize. Um, it was fine. But I was like, I should keep doing this because, you know, I'm going to be at home for the foreseeable future. We're all going to be at home for the foreseeable future. So I had the idea to do this best New York accent contest. And at first, you know, no one was submitting to it. I had to like ask uh, Wayne Diamond to to submit because I wanted like wanted some sort of um you know validity to it yep um plus a personality yeah exactly yeah so but like slowly but surely people started submitting and then i think like alec baldwin submitted so then more celebrities started submitting you know debbie mazar chaz palminteri michael rapaport princess nokia um and it just like became this big moment and by the end of it, you know, like the New York Times did like a full on, you know, thing about it. But through all that, you know, in addition to it just being a huge success and like getting a lot of new fans from it, I met so many incredible people, you know, you, Slick Nick. But then after the the accent contest, you know, it was still the pandemic. It's like, what's the next thing I could do? I also like looked at you know, how many people engaged with this contest and figured like, you know, it could be a good opportunity to raise money, you know, cause no one was, no one was raising any money for anything through this. It was just purely for like the entertainment. And like, obviously we were in a period where people like needed some, you know, some money. So I had the idea to do the best t-shirt contest with my boy right here. Yeah. Um, and we raised how much money? That we raised sixty racks. Sixty racks. We split it two ways. Thirty went to God Loves the Lover. That's right. And then the other thirty went to uh the campaign against the campaign hunger. against hunger in Brooklyn. But that yeah. was another moment, you know, like we got so many submissions for t shirts. We got like a lot of amazing uh guest judges. It was it was a great moment. 
And then I still follow people from that. Thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, and then after that, I did the best New York photo contest yep. and that we raised. Oh my God. How it was like $200,000 yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. something crazy. It might've even been more than that. But, uh, and then after that I did like the best mask contest and that's when it started. To, like, that's when I was like, that's when people were like starting to get out of the house and yeah, not, yeah, you know, okay. spend too much time in front of their computer. But that's the point where I was like, you know what? I, I don't ever want to do like another contest like this. Like that was the time to do it when everyone was at home, not working, you know, needed some entertainment from there. That's when, you know, things started to open back up. And I started realizing that like a lot of our beloved small businesses were struggling. And, um, you know, Henry was actually the first, a, a friend of mine, Gabe reached out to me and was like, yo, like, you know, that, that army Navy surplus store on Houston street. And like, I'd been there a few times. I didn't, and I'd spoken to Henry, but like, we weren't friends by any means, but he was like, yeah, I just went in there. Like he's really struggling. A customer of his just set up a GoFundMe. It'd be cool if you like shouted them out or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll go in and I'll talk to him. So I made this video of him and uh, like within less than 24 hours, he, he met his goal of $50,000. And I was like, holy shit. From that, I was like, I can just keep doing this. Like there's so many businesses that need help right now. So there was like a period of like, you know, two or three months while, you know, businesses were really struggling where I, you know, went through, made these little profiles, um, and you know, was able to help a lot of them out, which was great. These things, platform, social media is getting more and more powerful, especially when you come from a world where traditional media, studios, like Emerson was that, yeah. I saw that, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think is gonna happen? You know, a lot of times, and it's the OCD that I, you know, it's like, I, I just get discouraged. I'm like, oh, things are changing. Like, what if like, I don't change with it, but I've always been able to like adapt, you know? Granted, I am getting older. I'm not 20 years old anymore. So it, may, it might be a little harder, but at the same time, I'm like super tapped in with like, you know, the younger generation. And so I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll be able to adapt, but at the same time, like I've been working to have a career outside of social media. So like, I mean, the commercial directing, I've been doing more and more of that. And the budgets I've been working with are get bigger and bigger and bigger, which is great. You know, like if I wanted to stop social media right now, I could just do commercials and I'd be great, you know. Um, but is that what you want? I love I love doing commercials. Right. Yeah. I love doing commercials. I've, I just I love being on set, you know, like how much longer do you think those commercial budgets will go up and up? When are they going to start coming that's down? That's a great down? question. That's a great. Do question. you think that they will start coming down? Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. But thankfully, I have the skill set to do that and to do things with my phone, you know, so I feel like, yeah, 100% either way, I'll probably be okay, hopefully. But, um, but, you know, there's that then there's you no know, the books like books are forever. I think the common misconception is because we're so bullish on social media mm -hmm. and the creator economy, people think that our view is that all these other things are going to disappear. Right. It, they're not going to disappear, no. right? People still go to Broadway. Right. People still listen to the radio. Right. No matter what happens, people will still watch TV, yeah. whether it's through, you know, a bundled YouTube TV or mm -hmm. their, you know, cable carrier. Like these things will always exist. It's just what's going to become the dominant new media, right? right? Books will always exist. Yeah. But we are in a world where people are 
you know, fighting for your attention more and more. Right. So, you know, the those that can really do that well mm-hmm. will have more and more power is the point. Right, right. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever come more on the other side of the camera as talent? No. No? I, I'm just don't I'm not comfortable on camera. This is rare that I do something like this, yeah. but anything for JK. Yeah, that's what's up. And I think that's why you're great at telling other people's stories. Yeah, yeah. Because you're absolutely present in yeah, that moment. Yeah, I don't want it to be about me. Definitely. And I try to, like, limit the amount that you hear my <clears throat> voice, too. Like, I only will include my voice if you, like, need to need context, you know? Right. Otherwise, like, if they say it in a full sentence, you know, a couple of days ago, this woman came up to me on the street, and she said that she was a teacher at Princeton, or a professor at Princeton, and she teaches sociology and she's doing a course on interviewing and she always shows my videos to her students. And that meant a lot. Do you have any tips for us? For interviewing? Yeah. It's not about you. It's about them. Like, don't, that's the biggest tip. Cause you know, you guys are great in this, this podcast. Cause like you're letting me talk. Like that's what you should do. Um, I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that you'll listen to or like street interviews or whatever, where the person behind the camera, you, you know, that they just like want to get their voice in there as much as possible. And it's like, yo, let them talk. It's about them. It's not about you, you know, like, and a lot of times if you have a specific question, if you just let them talk, they'll probably get to it, you know? So just like keep the camera rolling, nod your head and smile and, you know, let them, let the, the gears move for them. And I think you just gave away a life, uh, a life secret, oh, yeah. not an interview secret. Oh, but just in general. Secret. Yeah, for sure. If someone's starting today mm-hmm. and they wanted to set out on their own journey, like mm-hmm. you did, what advice would you give to them? Well, it's a different era. You know, when I did it, it was a little over a decade ago, different time. Now it's like super, super duper oversaturated. There, everyone is a creator. So I, I, I don't know if my advice would be valuable. You know, I have like the super generic, unoriginal. It's like, just do what you love. Mm-hmm. And if it works, I mean, but I'm also like honest about it. Like do what you love. And if you're good at it, then you'll succeed. If you're not good at it, you probably won't succeed. Well, as someone that- and Maybe it's time to try something else. <laughs> I love but, that. Yeah, no, that's know, fair, man. It, it, Prodigy from Mob Deep said, yo, go paint a house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go you do know? something else. What's in your feed? What's in your FYP? Um, a lot of my friends, mm-hmm. a lot of people who have been friends before the creator mm-hmm. thing, a lot of friends who become my friends after the creator thing. I love Kareem, Kareem Rama. Um, yeah, shout out to Kareem. You know, Kareem is someone also connected us to. Yeah. I mean, Kareem is someone I knew before he started doing any of this. Mm. Um, he, he was working at vice. He wasn't doing comedy. He wasn't on camera. I don't know if this is just your friends, but like, do you think you, you and Kareem and those types of, even me to Mm -hmm. that, him to a certain extent, do you think that there's a certain advantage because of what we did before, whether it's advertising or, or music videos, you know, at least on the business side of things. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, to get back Kareem, uh, Morris cornbread, subway Oracle. Yeah. Shout out um, to Morris. So you, all the stuff that you're consuming uh, content-wise is the stuff that you're in and you're creating too. Yeah. What What else is New York Nico into? What else? Like, what do you like, dude? I love movies. Okay. Love movies. I definitely get that from your, I your lo- page. <laughs> I love making lists. So this this time of year is is a uh, big time for lists because uh, it's. I try to watch like all the all the movies from this past, from, you know, the year past year. Yeah. Um, and then make my list of like, you know, favorite movies from the year. 
Um, actually, the, the whole accent contest originated because I did a top 100 list of best New York accents. Um, my guidebook coming out is a list. It's like my top 100 favorite places in New York. Nice. Um, what else do I like? I love my dog. I'm a, new, right. I'm a new dog owner. Never had one before. I'm obsessed oh, what, with it. What kind of dog did you It's a dachshund. Okay. Obsessed with Toby. Um, I guess this is like attached to my Instagram, which is like walking around. Yeah. Yeah, you love to walk. I love to walk. Yeah, same. I love to bike when it's warm out. Um, like, I just, I, I finally learned how to drive, so now I love to drive. Word. By the way, when you were telling that story, that's the most New York City yeah. story. You're yeah, like, telling, you're born and bred New Yorker. I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been telling folks, man, New York has a bunch of grown men that don't know how to swim or drive. You know, that's that's part, part of our experience. Absolutely. Do you drive? I do, yeah. but I don't know how to swim. For real? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to swim. Swimming is easier than driving. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You literally just move your arms. That's what I've heard. But you know, I got thick bones, man. So yeah. tend to sink a lot. Yeah, a lot of people know you now mm. for being an expert on making content using your phone. Mm. If you could only use either a phone or a classic film camera for the rest of your life, which tool would you go for? The phone, one hundred percent. It's always on me. It's on me right now. You know, I can't carry a 40 pound camera with me everywhere. And if I needed to use it for a commercial production, I could use it for a commercial production. I just might need like a couple lenses or something, you know, and they're, they're going to keep getting better and better. So, yeah, I mean, now people are making films from it. Exactly. Yeah. I've been really into doing like these 60 second, um, I guess you can call them short profiles on people entirely shot on my phone, usually edited on my phone. Um, but I, I guess I like tell the story in a way that it, you know, it seems like I'm more than just a guy with a, with a phone. Like I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I know how to tell a story. I know how to edit. I think, uh, one of the biggest compliments I can receive is when someone says that an Instagram video that I just posted, like, they're like, do you have like a film background? Cause like, this is really, you know, this feels like a, like a movie. Mm. Um, so whenever I, I get comments like that, it feels really good because, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I, at least I, I would like to think I am when I can get the distinction from just like being a content creator and being a, a filmmaker. I, I appreciate that. And that's not to say that like, content creator is a is a bad word or anything but as a filmmaker you know it always feels good to be recognized as one i'm sure my videos could go more viral if i just thought like a content creator who spends all their time on tiktok and studying like how to create a viral video you know a lot of times like i'll do a 60 second video where i don't start with like a five second like hook you know um just because i don't think it like makes sense in the edit but you know it is what it is i actually just did a 60 second video the other day where it definitely felt more like tiktoky to me um because i started with like we're the longest standing we're the longest freestanding building in new york city I saw that. you know and like that's the hook i probably wouldn't have that as the first thing that you hear if I just wanted this to be like a kind of standalone art piece. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I also like really love this story and I didn't want people to like 
you know, just brush it off because I didn't have a hook like that. Right. So, and it, it was very successful. It was a very successful <laughs> video. And, and I know it was because I started with that. Yep. Are you, any plans to go back and make like five minute stuff? I know you're. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't until 2019 in, into the beginning of 2020 that I got back into doing short form docs. And I took like the skills that I've developed over whatever the five or six years that it had been. And I created four documentaries in one year that range anywhere from like 10 to 15 minutes, all on um, New Yorkers. Mm. Like each one was a different New Yorker. So like Tiger Hood, who, you know, is one of my close friends who plays golf with milk containers around the city. Um, one on Big Mike Saviello, who is the manager of Astor Place, but also paints on his lunch break. One on Nelson Molina, who is a sanitation worker for 35 years, who would collect things out of the trash and created a trash museum. Um, and then there was another one on this woman named Stephanie Boyce, who was a, uh, uh, her story is a little more complicated. So I would just suggest you look at all of them. But anyway, um, I loved making those. And it's something to this day that, you know, I will, I will show people. Like it's very rare that, I'll show somebody an Instagram video that I did from four years ago, but something like this, you know, I, I have so much pride in it because of the time that it took and like how in, in depth it is that, you know, I'm always proud to show that to someone. Right. And it's something that, you know, I've, I've been wanting to get back into and this year I would really like to, I mean, I need to still find the story, which I don't think will be that hard just because of all the people that I met. I just have to like really think about who would make for a compelling, mm -hmm. you know, 10 to 15 minute documentary subject. But uh, it's something that I wanted, I want to do this year for sure. Is there anything else on the horizon? I, and I know that like from, from your vibe, I feel like you're just like, yeah, you know, whatever I feel yeah, compelled and much. sort of inspired to do. I mean, I'd like to get around to doing a doc. I'd like to try to write a screenplay. Mm. Um, Naomi got me three screenplay writing books for my birthday this year. So Sid Field, did you get that one? I don't even. I don't think it was. Yeah, something was about a cat. cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. I have that one too. But I, I wanted her to. She asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and that's. I was like, that's it, because yeah. I want. I feel like now I have any, a reason to actually read it mm. and write a screenplay. Otherwise, if I just bought it for myself, I probably never would. What kind of movie do you want to write? It's like always been my dream, and this is like a very lofty dream. But to make the best New York movie ever made, mm. Ooh, um, you have a lot of uh, incumbents <laughs> that you're competing. I know you love. I know you love lists. Yeah, can you give a top five? So I, I had a list of my top 100 favorite New York oh, movies. Okay, um, I haven't updated it in a couple of years, but not much has changed. Where does Bronx Tale sit? That's. I think that's number eight. Wow, it's yeah. pretty high up there. Number was one was uh, uh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, that's your number one, huh? That's a good movie, but I didn't expect that to be number one. Midnight Cowboy, Taxi Driver. Say what? Um, I love Good Time. Mm. Safety Brothers. Uh, After Hours. The Warriors. Um, I mean, a lot of them are like kind of standard, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then some lesser known ones like The Drop with James Gandolfini and Tom Hardy. Oh, that was definitely like a late night watch for me. Mm. Is Juice a New York movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was, right? okay. Juice is up there. Yeah. I think it was like in the 30s for me, though. Yeah, yeah. Anything else, Tom? We're good, right? I think we're good. Yeah. yeah. Sure. 
I just want to say thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you, man. Yeah, this sure. was great. It's yeah. really good. Nah, but you know, you know, I always mean it, man. If you need help with anything, just I let appreciate me know. that. Thank you. Yeah, Likewise. not that you do, but just nah. holler at us anytime.